Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Build Shop Podcast presented by TXG. And I am one half of the hosting crew, Ryan Brath, and I'd like to welcome my co-host to the show, Mike. How's it going? RB, I'm fantastic. Yourself? I'm doing great. You know, this for us, I know for everyone who's listening, this is uh, this is one day later than we normally put the episode out, but we got to let people know it was Canadian Thanksgiving, so we had Monday off. And uh, so we, you know, kicked it back, had a little extra day of turkey. Did, do you guys do a turkey, Mike? What's what's your usual go-to? We uh, we are uh, we are a turkey and ham family, but uh, I'm a fan of neither. Really? Uh, so yeah, I, I don't like turkey. Uh, at Christmas, we do a, a beef Wellington and a turkey. I'm more of a beef Wellington guy, so goes Not down bad. easier with red wine. <laughs> Yeah, that was it. I remember doing a, a video one time in the beer industry and it was like pairing uh, beer with like food for Thanksgiving. And, you know, it, there's lots of options for like anything. Right. But I mean, you know, if it's bubbly and it's it's got booze in it, I mean, generally most people aren't going to be too upset about it one way or the other. But uh, I know for us, you know, we just have a, a couple of people. So we did uh, we just did like a giant turkey breast. We cooked that. Nice. Um, which is, yeah, you know, it came out shockingly. I know I'm, you know, I always find Turkey dry. Like, you know, I think no matter, yeah, yeah. No matter how good you are cooking it, like it's pretty difficult to make a, I think a moist one. You just haven't had a, a really great one. I've had some good ones in the past, but this one came out. Okay. And it was one of those things where I hadn't actually done that before. So I'm you know, trying to do my best to, to get a little more uh, explore outside of the pizza realm. Like got to explore outside of that a little bit more. Um, but yeah, let's, so let's get into it because there's a CJ cup is this week on the PGA tour. And, you know, when it comes to equipment this time of year, we don't see a lot. I mean, we were starting to see some, some stuff kind of leak out a little bit, but one of the things that is a, is a stable, a staple, sorry, in people's bags is uh, or at least someone's on tours bag is Adam Scott's irons. And this week he had something that was completely custom. I know they've, they've done limited runs of irons for him in the past and they sold some off for the consumers but have you had a chance to see the new Titleist AS irons, the blades? They look ridiculous. I saw um, I saw the photos this morning, and uh, I saw was it this morning or last night? I think I saw the photos this morning, um, and I emailed one of our friends at Titleist right away, and I was like, "Hey, gonna chat about these on the pod tonight. Uh, I need some details." And and he was pretty open with it, and he was saying, you know. And you know this, you know, Adam Scott is one of their go-to guys in, in all club design from, you know, T400 right down to the guy's own blades. And they're looking for like feedback on soul width and design and CG location with these irons. <clears throat> um, they say, you know, mentioned it's very, very close to his 680s. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just, it's cool to hear how hands-on a guy like, Adam Scott is, and you know, that, you know, the guy's feedback from Titleist was like, the guy's a basically an equipment junkie, a nerd. Um, when it comes to that knows a lot about design and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, pretty, pretty impressive. Looks cool. It'd be nice to have, you know, some six twenty MMs Titleist <laughs> if you're listening. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's really, really cool. And obviously the JT ones kind of surface. So, um, really, really neat to see. Yeah. And, and for those listening, I know you can, I, there's been some pictures circulating online. I know, um, was it uh, fully equipped? So golf.com and golf both had pictures of them. 
And, you know, one of the things that I thought was really cool was like for Scott, like he's, he's, I think it's, I think it's a 681 AS on the hosel. And like those irons, a lot of people don't realize is they actually have more offset in the short irons, Mm -hmm. which is opposite to what JT has, because I think at one point he was using an iron that was bent weak to take some of the offset out. And obviously Titleist has gone as far as actually creating a set that has almost no, if zero offset, they look very similar to like a Ricky, the Ricky iron from Cobra, which had basically no offset. And I think that's kind of, it's, it goes to show that a lot of these players, once they get locked into a look, they, they're not going to change too much. Have you ever gone, have you ever like had a set of, of irons and then changed them and just gone back just because it was a, like literally like a looks thing? Or was there something that you have a preference for? Because I know for you, obviously we talk wedges all the time. Is there something yeah. that you just go to look or do you just like, no, you don't really care too much? Uh, I mean, I, I definitely care. There's, you know, certain, certain styles of irons that I like. Um, I will say I don't keep a set of irons long enough to, uh, to go back to them, but uh, no, there's definitely certain, you know, aspects of an iron. I know going back again to wedges, you know, when I got to basically quote unquote help design my, my artisan wedges, you know, offset was a thing. I, I never liked the look of offset. I know it's, it's there for a reason, but I was able to hit some wedges when I was there that, <clears throat> a 15 time major champion used. And I was like, wow, this is a really nice sandwich. I'd like my sandwich to look like this. And, uh, we replicated it. So, I mean, yeah, it's, it's cool. It's funny. Adam Scott's have a bit of offset, but you know, I have a set of those, uh, Titleist. They're the T's, aren't they? Like the full T's? Yeah, they're the T's. Yeah. They're the old T's. And like the pitching wedge has a ton of offset. The nine iron has a ton of offset. Um, so, you know, just a trend from irons, you know, back in the day, you know, obviously we know the shorter irons, I got a set of Mizuno MS nines and there's more offset on that pitching wedge than a bent light pole. Like it's, uh, it is, it's goosey. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's cool. And it's interesting to see how the industry's changed in a way that, you know, offsets become a thing. People don't like an offset, you know, they want to press it out. Even the amount of times people have said to me, Hey, can you press out? the offset like it's not just you don't use an iron an ironing board and an iron to to press out offset so um yeah it's it's cool it's it's interesting to see as good of a ball striker as adam scott is his style of iron versus an iron that that jt uses it's very ricky-esque and i could only imagine those boys playing a fun round of golf at their home club and jt's like man i, I want to set irons like this and text titleist and goes listen make your boy a set of these. Yeah. It, it's, um, it's a nice, it's a nice thing to have. I think someone I'd put, I'd shared the picture from, I think golf.com and someone messaged me and they were like, you know, there's another reason that I'm jealous of Adam Scott. And I'm like, yeah, you can add it to the list. You can add it to the jet and the home in Switzerland and all that other stuff and the Rolex yeah. sponsorship and all those other fun things. Um, but yeah, I just, in it, you know, you mentioned it and I think it's actually something that is, is pretty interesting when it comes to someone like Adam Scott. Right. And, you know, people talked about, tiger this way and almost the complete opposite of other players in the fact that he is a gear junkie although you look at his bag and it is very traditional you've got blades you've got a smaller driver he's messed with so many driver shafts this year and then i think his his fairy woods are a 16 or 16 five degree three wood and then he goes right to a seven wood which you know adam scott's not really like that old he's definitely not one of the the young bloods on tour when you factor in like jt or spieth or 
um, even like Zalatoris, anyway, go down the list or Burger, whoever it happens to be. But it's the you know 16.5 and, and 20 degrees or 21 degrees is an old standard, old school three and five wood, like 13 degree five woods or something that, or sorry, three woods are, you know, in some cases we're drivers, right? Like I have, yeah. and you mentioned like, just kind of like what you said there, I have a set of old Wilson they're, they are Wilson made, but they're called Walter Hags, Ultra Hags, and they have a ton of offset on them. And I, it's funny because like I can, people ask all the time because I've, I've posted pictures in the past and I'll post it again is like all the irons that I have in my workshop. And it's like, are they all built to the same spec? And I'm like, yes and no, but they're all close enough where, you know, they're bent to the right line loft. They have a shaft that fits me and they have a grip on them that's basically the same size all the way through the set. So yeah. I can go through and I can play generally the same amount of decent golf with all of them, but they certainly all look very different. And, you know, I've got low offset irons. I've got high offset irons. I've got game improvement stuff. I got super bladey stuff. And it's, it's all about like what kind of fits your eye. And because I'm so used to looking at different stuff, nothing really bothers me. Although if I do pick up a set of golf I don't like, I'll tell you right away. I don't like this for this, whatever reason it happens to be, but I can kind of make things work. And I think when people ask about that, and it's just like, again, to your point with the wedges is there are wedges that I like and I don't like, but I can kind of make them work, but it doesn't mean that I like the way it looks. And I think that's something to be very important, especially when people are looking at a club that might be unusual to them, but gosh, darn it. It really, it makes things a lot easier for that player. Right. And that brings us to our next topic. And I'm wondering if you've seen it, or maybe you've worked with one already built it up. I think Ian might've mentioned that you built this form. Uh, or maybe it was just a plug. I'm not really sure, but uh, the new UW from Callaway. Have you had a chance to to get your hands on this thing? Because I've only seen pictures of it. And to me, it looks really cool. Yeah, yeah. No, it was. Uh, I built uh, so the one that was sent for testing, um, one for Matt, one for Ian. They sent it with a hazardous smoke, seventy gram, six five, um, and the way it was. And like no knock on Cali, but the way it was built, it was kind of like butt trim to length, um, but no, no tipping. So it was, it played very light, played like around like 62 grams or something like that. Um, and Ian was, Ian's playing this at 40, 41 inches needed something different in there. And I was like, Hey, I'm, I've got a Ventus red eight X kicking around. Why don't we throw that in there? And the head weight was good on that Apex U, UW. It was like two, 233, 234. Um, and the Ventus shaft was like, after it was tipped and cut was like, oh, it was tipped. It was like 80, 80, 82-ish, 83-ish grams. Can I, can I stop um, you there, Mike? What's So the tip size is 335? Or like you need a little bit of a shim in there, like no it, tip size. Tip size is uh, is three thirty five. I put a little bit of um, uh, salt and pepper in there to like tighten it up, but it didn't need a shim. That's for sure. Okay, because I, I had people reach out and ask about it, and I was looking at kind of some of the shafts that were in them or being played on tour, and I just I told people I assume like I think pretty sure it's three thirty five. So yeah, yeah, three thirty five, and um, I can't remember what we tipped. I think we t- it it's probably tipped right now, like an inch, maybe an inch and a quarter. Um, at, and playing at 41 and just got a standard multi-compound grip on it, but yeah, no, it was cool. The, you know, I built that yesterday. It was, it was needed. You know, it looks 
be good. It actually is almost a perfect club, you know, for, for Ian's bag. I play a decent amount of golf with him. I know you play golf with him a couple, a couple days ago. And you know that he's always, I wouldn't say struggled, but he's always tinkered with like a, a, a hybrid. He used to have like a Cali X2 hot pro 18 degree hybrid. He should have never got rid of that thing. Um, but he's tried a Mizuno hybrid, TSI hybrid, um, the Sim 5 one. And he hits it all really good. It's just he's looking for a certain number. And that that Apex UW, I'm sure maybe he'll do a video on it or he'll post more info on it. But he was like, listen, this this hits the 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 number I'm looking for in my bag. So they we've got a couple coming in for demo matrix we've ordered some for stock and i'm you know i'm excited to see to see how they do i know when uh when i played with ian and we were at pinehurst it was uh he had a titleist hybrid in the bag and he also had the a sim five wood and he was he used them at different rounds because like he was you know i don't know if he was i don't i wasn't talking about it but i don't know if he's looking at yardages or just trying to hit a certain shot a certain day and to me, I, I always just find that interesting because I I'm someone who has gone to a five wood, has gone to a seven wood. This year, I finally got to a four utility. And having picked up some speed, I've actually thought about going back to like a traditional four iron because of the shots that I like to hit and and where I use it. But you know, I haven't really pushed that far to like put that in the top of my bag. And I know for next year, because of the speed training and all of that stuff. I am looking forward to actually going through the process of getting fit for everything beyond. And I know you've done a video on the driver and the three wood, but I'm really curious to see what else extra is out there. Not necessarily with new product, but just trying to dial those things in, especially with the irons. Cause I know that I hit it pretty high, high in a good way, not too, too high, but I also know that that's part of my dynamics. And that's something where I have always struggled. Cause I, I fear the left side. I fear the hook because I played a hook for so long or played a draw for so long as a kid that was trying to hit it further. And now I'm, I'm very comfortable hitting a fade. And even if it means hitting a five iron, 175 yards, just like a little fade. Like I don't really care how far it goes. I just want to make sure that it goes that distance. Right. And for me, the top of the bag, looking at this UW, I think it's a really cool golf club. It almost looks like an expanded version of the the tailor-made railer from like years and years and mm. years ago with there's it's a little bit v on the sole it's not super rounded so it looks like you can get it out of some really like tighter lies or some kind of fluffy lies you got to dig it out of something and i think that's really neat because it is it's like a fairy wood is in many ways in some ways one dimensional it wants to go up a hybrid kind of gives you the opportunity to work the ball a little bit but it also, they, they fit in very different spin windows and it does, it just closes the gap. Right. And we've seen, you know, I've joked about it in the past, but like there was the fibrid from Wilson, which yeah. is like probably getting close to 15 years old. Cleveland's got a new one again with the halo series. Callaway's got this one. And it, I think one people forget about too, is like TSI one TSI one's a big hybrid. Um, like it's a, it's a big footprint and and it's one of those where it's like, I'd almost like to see a, a video or just, I might even do some testing myself and, and hit all of them and just see the difference. But I think the shape and the sole size and the way it's designed, I think that apex UW is going to take the cake. And I'm not just saying that because it's the latest and the greatest that's out. I just think they've Callaway's really hit the, you know, the nail on the head with this one. I think this is going to be uh a pretty hot product for us. Yeah. And, and I know from, from Callaway's perspective, 
uh, talking to, or at least seeing some of the stuff that Johnny wonder writes on the world of wonder from Callaway. Uh, this was a tour part that came to retail. You know, we see retail stuff and then you like for drivers and you see triple diamond and you see those things. Don't get wrong. Those triple diamond T fairy woods look ridiculously cool. Love to see one in person, but this is from their perspective. It's something that is new that is coming out and from tour that was driven by tour players. And, you know, they're not going to have a lot of these things, but they're going to have them. And I think it's something for depending on the player, it's going to fit really well. Now on the other side of the spectrum, I want to just, I want to touch on this because I think it's something that's interesting. It doesn't get a lot of press. You know, it, it got coverage on you know, the major golf outlets, but the the new star line from Callaway, because when people talk about, you know, talk like trying to fit golfers into this thing, this is this is always a cat. This is a category that continues to grow based on the golf population, although we have had an, a big influ, influx of newer golfers that are, say, younger people. But the star line is something that is just ultra lightweight. It's in the, the realm of Zexio. It's in the realm of some of the Hanma Berez uh, product. Is there any other, who else makes really lightweight? So, uh, TSI one, right. You know, you just mentioned TSI that. TSI one, um, Berez. I know you can make uh, anything ping light as well. Yeah. Yeah. You can make, yeah. Minus the driver driver, super, super heavy, but um, yeah, I mean, you're right. It's, it's a competitor to the Zexio stuff. Listen, I'm not paid by Zexio to say this, and I haven't hit the star stuff, but and I haven't fit with the star stuff, but that Zexio stuff is is like a little cheat sheet for our club fitters. If anyone's struggling to, to get the ball airborne, um, that Zexio stuff is absolute money. It is so so good. I can I can remember the last time being at the PGA show, which is now you know getting on two years, but being on the range and actually getting the chance to hit it for the first time. I, I like kind of like so and so like you know hit an iron here or hit like hit something once in a while just to see what's up, but to hit one of the Zexio throughs, I don't remember which one it was. You just hit it in like literally just put like I don't want to say the worst swing ever because you're trying to make good contact, but just a super smooth slow swing where you'd normally see like it'd go out put more like a mid trajectory, just kind of float and fall out of the air because you're not creating spin. And just trying to just, again, create these very soft swings and the ball would just get right up in the air. And you're like, this is insane. Like, this is a game changer for people when they need something that's more forgiving. They want something that's going to make the game more fun. And this is where materials and technology really helps golfers out. And, you know, you can moan about price. You can moan about whatever you want. But, you know, if you're looking to just enjoy the game and get the most out of it, and it really is about enjoyment and being able to maybe get some yardage back and all those things. That stuff's hard to beat. And these lines from all these companies are something that is, you know, it's really showing how much technology they can put into these products to make things easier to hit. Definitely. So that brings me to a question for you, Mike, this week. I know we didn't do a and I actually, so, you know, this will go up this like today. Um, you know, I don't know, where, whatever realm of time and space that we want to live in as we as we talk about this stuff. But uh, I will be doing a and a on Thursday. So I'm going to fire that up. So I'll be doing that. Um, but because we didn't do that this week, I know we get holidays and all of those other things. Um, I got to ask you, because you mentioned it already, you kind of touched on it there. What's the biggest gain you've seen someone get out of like getting fit for a product, whether it be a driver, fairywood, irons, where they just look at you and go, holy crap. Like, and it, it, I'm not taught, you could be someone who's gained 20 yards at a, at a low swing speed. It could be someone that gained a, a huge amount of speed at a high swing speed. 
whatever it is, like what is the biggest change that you've seen from a player by getting the right club in their hands? Just them going, is this real? Yeah. I play golf with a guy at the club that I play with consistently the last three, four years. And, um, he was good ball striker of his irons, like hit a six iron, a hundred and I don't know, 70 yards. Um, you know, decent. And, uh, Anytime he picked up a driver, it went like, sounds crazy. It went like 200 yards and you're just, and he was taking a full swing and it was, it wasn't that it was spinny or it was just crap. It was just, I don't know. He, he was fitted for it and it was, it was atrocious. And, and it was when we first started to like get to know each other and he didn't really know what I did yet. And one day on the golf course, I just said to him, I was like, can you do me a favor and just like, come hit balls in our studio so I can just see what, what is going on. I was like, cause you should not be hitting driver 200 yards. Um, it's not like he was 900 degrees down on it or anything like that. It was just, I don't know. It was just weird. And, uh, we got him on, on the, on the quad and I started pulling some product and, and testing some stuff. I was like, listen, let me put some stuff in your hands. If it works great. If not, at least we checked. Cause he even said every time we played, he's like, He's like, man, he's like, guys are like 40 to 60 yards by me every time. Right. And that's regardless of who you are, that is, that's going to ruin your soul when you play, when you play golf. <laughs> um, if you can build a Costco between your ball and your buddy's ball, that's time for a fitting. Um, and uh, I picked him up 41 yards with the driver. Um, and most of that was due to carry. And, uh, and the guy turned around and he legitimately threw his wallet at me, um, and said, I don't care how much this driver costs. Um, and it was just a poorly, I wouldn't even call that the, the, his original driver was fitted, but it was just poorly put together information that got him into a bad spot. And it just shows you that you know, one, go to a reputable fitter Two, you know, self-fitting doesn't work all the time. Um, but you know, just get, just get checked. And, you know, anytime people ask you questions or myself questions on IG or over email, you know, the answer always is get fit. Um, and the reason for a Hawk or a quad or a track man or a flight scope is to get numbers. Numbers don't lie. Um, so you know, for someone to pick up 41 yards in a, in a fitting was, was pretty, pretty nuts to see. The only problem was three other guys from the golf course came up to me like three weeks later and like, how do I get 40 yards? I'm like, Hey, that doesn't, it doesn't, there's no magic button, but, um, but yeah, 40 yards, 41 yards with the drivers, the largest gain I've, I've seen. I would say if anyone's looking for a magic bullet, uh, you want a shorter yardage and the holes, just move up a tee. Yeah. <laughs> it's the quickest way that I found that to, to make the game a little bit easier. Yeah. And it, I had, I had someone asked this week about like, you know, Oh, the UW, have you hit it? What do you think? I mean, this is what I'm using in my three or this is what I'm using my five. What, what should I put into it? What loft should I get? And I'm like, I have no freaking clue, man. And I was, I was just being, I, I didn't say it like that, but it's like, I don't know. Like I couldn't tell you, like, I don't know. I don't have any information for you. And another person asked this week about um, like they gave me their swing speed on their driver. They gave me their driver specs and then they, they kind of told me a little bit about their, they, you know, this is the iron that I use how fast I swing it. You no, know, I feel like I'm not getting the maximum out of my driver. And like, what's like, what's going on? I'm like, first of all, I have no idea. I don't, I can't diagnose it. Like, it's not like, I, it's like, you know, can you look at my x-ray without getting an x-ray? Like, can you just look at me and like, kind of just assume what's going on in there? 
And that's the, that's kind of what happens when people ask these questions and I'm not criticizing it. I'm just explaining that like there is a limitation to like the information that we can provide. And a lot of times it's going to be an educated guess without the numbers. Yeah. And that's where I sent, and this is a great thing. I know they have it with, the, I think it's a seven iron as well as just with the driver. And I think this is very important. It's, it's related to ball speed and not club head speed. And that is the ping optimization chart. You can look oh. at this thing and very quickly understand where you are losing distance. And for anyone who's looking for like a very quick general rule for every, is it, I think it's for every mile per hour, you can, your optimization is roughly 2.75 if you're like really optimized as, as far as distance is concerned. And again, it's a rough number. You can go a little bit high, you can go a little bit lower on that depending on your dynamics. But that's one way to think about, you know, to your point, like if you, people play with other golfers, I play with people all the time. And like a lot, I used to, I would say used to be like, you know, I feel like I'm swinging it faster. I swing it hard, like, you know, and I would not get out of it what I did. And now I feel like I'm, I'm getting that a little bit more, but I still know that there's more gas in the tank, I guess, when I'm, when I'm yeah. speaking to that. Um, and, and the reason I asked that, because I, I was very curious of like, was it a shaft, was the head, and just just a whole combination was because when we did our fitting at Piners, and for those who are listening, you can check it out on the YouTube channel. Um, one of our, our winners, Corey, great guy, we called him the Louisiana Rick Shields. If anyone, uh, if everyone had, we you know we, we were posting about playing golf with them and at the, on the on Instagram, and it was like, he's got the beard. And because Nike was one of the, the providers of, of our swag for the, the contest winners, he had the all Nike, you know, Rick wears a lot of Nike gear and, you know, he just looked like a slightly shorter Rick Shields without an English accent, which is pretty funny. Uh, but he picked up, I think it was like 30, 35 yards in the air because of Thanks. his, by, by changing his dynamics with the golf shaft. And the, the biggest thing was flex and the balance point of the golf shaft because his swing speed didn't really change but he went from six out to basically neutral and maintaining his upward angle of attack. And the next thing you know, he's hitting it straighter. His misses are tighter and um, just how much extra carry he was getting. He was like, talking, mm -hmm. we're talking about 25, I think about 25 yards carry, which is really impressive. And, you know, those kind of things can happen when you a get fit properly. And he, and again, he already had a driver head that worked really well for him. And that's where there can be a big difference. If like, you've got, you got one part of the puzzle there, you just need to put it all together and you can see some big gains, but you got to make it work all together. You got to make everything come. Yeah. One thing I'll, I'll always say, and to people who are listening, don't take this in the wrong way, but I know money doesn't grow on trees, but if you come for a fitting and you get a gain of 15 yards, let's say with carry, that's a big difference. 10 yards. That's a big difference. You're one club less into a green with 10 yards. And that isn't satisfying enough to pull the trigger. What are you doing? Like the amount of times, like I will pick up someone. I mean, it, listen, it's not hard to see the odd 20 yarder gain, the odd 15 yarder gain. Mostly it's like a 20 yarder gain. Cause you're just, you're getting people in the right spin and launch numbers and the ball can run out a bit more and, and you just get people a little bit more out of, out of a driver. We're talking drivers here for a second. Um, and, and I'm talking like 500 feet elevation, like nothing's boosted or anything like that. <laughs> like you're not hitting pro V one X left dash all day long. Um, it sometimes like, you know, you get someone that you, you get them 20 yards, right? 15 to 20 yards. And, and they're like, okay. Like, and you, you build up the quote and yeah, look, don't get me wrong. The driver's anywhere from 
I don't know, $1,200 to $1,500 and it's SST'd and it's gripped and it's built by TXG and, you know, you get all the stuff in the end and you get people that kind of be like, okay, well, I'll think about it. Like, what is there to think about? If you gave me 20 yards right now, I'd give you my firstborn child. <laughs> I'd give you my car. I'd give you the, the four guitars that are behind me right now. I just, listen, don't get me wrong. Like I said, money doesn't grow on trees, but if you're there for a goal and your goal is achieved that we've picked you up 20 yards, I wouldn't even be able to play golf until I got my new driver. Like, it would be insane to even, to even play golf, not purchase a driver and just think, oh, I'm in that bunker. Well, if I have my new driver, I could be over two bunkers <laughs> and have a pitching wedge into the green. So I don't know. That's just Listen, that's just a fitters, a fitters talk. Not everyone's going to purchase. I totally get it. Um, but it's just one of those. It's like someone gave me 20 yards right now. I would do a lot of things for 20 yards. You know, you, you make a very good point. And I, and I come from both sides of this argument as someone who builds golf clubs and buys a lot of used golf clubs and messes around with stuff. But I'm also someone who has access to all the information and access is access to building my own stuff. And, you know, the one thing that I, I ask people when they reach out and they're, they're looking for advice or they're looking for help is what are your expectations? Right. Yeah. Like, I think that's one of those things that people don't, they, they're not really sure. And then you, you, you kind of deliver on those expectations. Like, well, Holy crap. Like I actually got that. Well, what is it? What does it cost? Like, what is the, what is the, what is the end result? Right. And I think the, the way that I kind of characterize it for golfers out there and, you know, we work in the industry. Okay. Like let's, let's just pull the curtain back on this for a second. Okay. We work in the industry. We have access to a lot of equipment and like, it, you know, it's just one of the perks of our job in, in golf. Right. But it's also like, I don't, I don't go and tr get a driver from every company and put it together. Like I'm not doing that. I know kind of, I have an idea of what's going to work, what's not going to work. And I might try one or try the other. And that's really it. Like I'm not experimenting all the time. If you are doing that, and you are spending money and trading golf clubs and, and buying a shaft that you're not really sure or getting something upgraded just because it was there, like your time and, and uh, like sunk, sunken time and cost into something where you're not really sure. And you're always guessing is, you know, that's value wasted. And that's when people say, what's it, what is it worth? And the worth question comes up all the time. Like, is this, is this shaft worth it? Is this ball worth it? Or is this, you know, new club head worth it? Is these, are these new irons worth it? And the worth to your point always comes down to the individual because money doesn't grow in trees, but also what's your time worth? You know, and again, I'm not a consumer of a private jet, but I know if I was someone who would have the opportunity to use a private jet, I'd be like, okay, well, you know, I get home eight hours faster and I don't have to go through customs and I, I get all this stuff. And it's like, you know, I'm home and I'm seeing my family, I get eight more hours of sleep. And, you know, that that's, has a lot of value for someone, even though, you know, someone else might look at it and go, like $10,000 for a flight. I mean, I can get the same flight for 800 bucks. Well, no, it's not the same flight. <laughs> it's not the same flight. Yeah. It's not the same experience and it's not the same flight. And you know, it's not the same thing when you're on the golf course and you know, you could be somewhere else. And you know, you're guessing all the time with like trying this or trying this and trying this, and you're throwing money at a problem that you're not really sure you're able to fix. And when you go through a fitting, you get that information. And you know, for us, I know this, this is TXC podcast, but any good fitter is going to stand behind their fitting. And if you have an issue, they're going to come back. And I'm, you know, I know I've done it with people in the past. I know we do it at TXG. And if someone is like, they're not really sure, and you come back and you tweak it and they leave and they're super, super happy because you just confirmed what they, that they thought, or maybe, you know, you've given them that little extra bit that they needed just to kind of figure things out. And that really comes down to like, 
part of the experience, but also you know what that value is when you get a, a new product. Because the goal is not to sell you a new driver every year. Let's be very clear about that. Um, to go back to like talking about our contest winner, like he was using Epic Flash. So that's two, two three. Oh my gosh, it's like four years old. Is it four years old now? Epic Flash? Yeah. Flash. Yeah, because you had. Yeah, it is. That, so, yeah. Was it Rogue and then Flash or was it? Yeah. It went Rogue, Flash, Maverick, um, Epic Flash, or Flash something else. What's this year's one? I'm terrible with this stuff. I should know. Epic. I should do. Uh, yeah, Epic. Then, um, yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. Like, we're talking like four generations old. It was great. Like, there's and no reason to What's change. next year's one called? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, Mike. Don't, you probably don't want to get yourself in trouble if you do know. So, uh, we'll, we'll keep it to there. Uh, and, yeah, that's just, it's just a thing about cost. And I know. Money, a golf club is golf can be very expensive, and you can go out and buy a set of golf clubs for two hundred bucks and have a lot of fun. But you know, it's it comes down to, and this is an analogy. I know I've used the suit analogy before, but I was I was actually you know this comes back to something we're going to touch on in just a second here. But you know, you go to a car dealership, you're going to get a great car. I know I'm looking at used cars right now, and I know I'm going to get a great car, get great value, warranty, all that stuff with it, right? Um, but I also know that you know if I want to tune my car up, it doesn't mean the car that I'm buying is not good. It's great. It comes with stock parts and everything on it is, is built to high quality and it has tolerances. But if you're looking for you know five percent extra horsepower out of this thing, or you want to add something else to it, or whatever it happens to be, you want louder. All those little things add up, and that's what um, you know, like an aftermarket product does. Aftermarket. Um, when you dial everything in, that's kind of what you're doing. And, you know, it's, it's like the, you, you go from your standard car to a rally car to, you know, an F1 car, right? You, you know, like like Mercedes makes, you know, like a, a C-class, whatever for like 40 grand. And then you can buy Well, you can't buy, but you, you know, like the F1 cars are on a very different level. Right. And that's, I always like to think that, you know, as a club builder, I'm trying to build F1 cars. Maybe I'm customizing really cool rally cars, but I like to think that at the point I'm making, I'm uh, building F1 cars. And, uh, you know, this this brings us to a, a good question because it comes down to equipment and changes and, and you know, kind of the mental side of the game, Mike. Uh, this past week, what was it, Turkey? Yeah. Yeah, so it was Turkey. Um, Balance Me Badass won. And, you know, he, the contract discussions all the first half of the year was was performing well. Once ever all the contract stuff was up, this man, this man, this guy's a man on fire and goes out and wins. Been been driving very well. You know, do you think there's a big mental element when you come to changing equipment or something's going on in the background, Mike? Because, you know, just like racing or just like golf, there's there's all these teams, quote unquote teams. Now in racing, there are these massive teams, but you got your physio, you got your your caddy, you got your equipment tour reps, you got your spritzer guy, your Bryson, like everyone's there all together. There's something very freeing when you know everything's all taken care of in the background, isn't it? Yeah, I think you know a change of equipment, change of car, um, you know that's your future, right? That's your money maker. So you know if you change something and it and you do it too quickly, can it can it really screw you? I mean, I hate to say it, look at you know look at what happened to Rory when he first changed to Nike, right? There was there was some growing pains. Um, frustrating for him and frustrating for for the viewers uh we were all kind of shocked at at how he played in the beginning and he and he kind of figured it out you know he won a couple majors while while a nike staffer so he figured it out pretty well um 
so yeah, I think, you know, contract wise, again, I obviously, I don't know Valtteri Bottas at all, but you can only imagine that. Yeah. He, you know, he's, he's becoming, is he taking a step down from, from Mercedes? I mean, yeah, technically, you know, they have some of the, the best cars in, in formula one. Is it tough? Cause he's driving against Hamilton and does he get preferential treatment? Don't get me started on that. Um, <laughs> so I think in, in the back of his mind, he knows that, listen, I've got, you know, how many, how many years left do you think Valtteri has driving F1? Um, is it five years? Is it, who knows? Um, so, you know, he's got to, he's got to definitely position himself in the right place and know that he's, he's going to trust the car. And I think once that's all done and contracts look good and the money's going to be tasty, then yeah, he's just driving for fun now. Um, and he's, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a couple times in that pit garage during, you know, practice and quality that there's a couple, you know, go F yourself moments to, to some Mercedes people. Cause he doesn't care. And what are they going to do? Kick him off. Um, yeah. you know, he's, he's, you know, thankfully he's not going to lose sleep over, you know, if they were to, to ban him for the rest of the season, you know, and it, <laughs> that's never happened, but, um, yeah, definitely in the back of his mind, he's, he doesn't have to worry about much and, you know, those moments on formula one, when they say, Hey, you know, slow down so you can let your teammate pass. I mean, I, I think that's, that's, that's demoralizing, right? Like, I, yeah. I mean, I hate to say it like, there's like, Hey, go make it, go make bogey this hole because you know, you want to Ryan wants to win. Like I hate to say it, but this ain't Timbits hockey. I'm, you know, you're there to, you're there to win. You're going to push you in the boards as hard as you possibly can. I don't care. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, it's a cool win for him. I think there's, I think that's not his only win this season. Um, but, uh, yeah, it'll be cool to see, uh, level playing ground next year for, uh, for, you know, teams and stuff like that for formula one. So definitely excited. It's kind of like the, uh, you know, exact opposite of the, I remember if you watch the drive to survive the, the Ricardo versus, uh, Verstappen when they were both like they crashed like two teammates smashing each other and wrecked both cars because they were trying to race each other right you're like that's I mean we there's that's a that's another rabbit hole we don't need to continue to on the F1 thing but it, it is it's like it is an interesting element of like what goes into like the teammates and all of those different things because this year's biggest talking point at the start of this year was John Rahm is the number one player in the world just took a huge contract with Callaway which is worth a fortune. I guess from understand with top golf and Travis Matthews and Quater and all the other stuff that goes along with it. Like, I think we're talking in the, what is that? Eight figures, right? Let me do the math. Yeah. yeah eight figures. So that's a lot of money. That's a huge amount of money uh, where most guys are getting it for like clothing deals are worth a lot of money. The club deals are not being thrown around like they used to be. It's not like everyone gets a check. Every, I mean, everyone's getting a check, whatever, but no, it, it's not like it used to be, 10 years ago on tour, like their companies are just not like creating their lineup that way. And for him to do that at the height of, of the way he was playing, people were worried, but this dude came out and it goes to show like, first of all, how good the team worked to put his equipment together. Cause a lot of the stuff was pretty cool and custom, but also the confidence that comes from knowing your numbers and knowing like what a club is going to do when you're trying to hit a certain shot. And that is, 
know, one of the hardest things for people to adjust to, and whether it be a ball or a, a specific club or yardage gap or whatever it is, that's always very interesting. Cause I think, um, you know, it is, it can become very difficult. And I know for myself, as I talked to earlier, like seeing a, a particular shot when I switch a golf club or, you know, trying to do something with my, my swing or whatever it happens to be having now, like pick up a little bit of speed with the driver and, and just do the bag. Like there's a lot of confidence knowing that I know where the ball is going to go once I kind of have a driver figured out. And yeah. I didn't play as much golf as everyone else did when we were away and we were on the trip with our contest winners. But, uh, you know, to be able to get up there and just step up and say, okay, I'm going to aim at that tree and I'm going to kind of feel the swing that's going to do this. And it goes there. You're like, this is awesome. Like, and that's a huge confidence inspiring for anyone, you know, and I don't really practice that much. I'll be very uh, admittant of that. So, you know, if someone who just knows that they have confidence in that gear can go out and perform, you know, whether you're breaking 190, 80, 70, that's a, that's a, that can be a game changer for a lot of players. Uh, now, last but not least, Mike, I want to touch on something here because I know we, we joke around on social media. You can follow I'm RDS Brath on Instagram and Twitter. Mike, give people the handle there. Remember, plug, 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 Mike TXG. Very, uh, very shameless plug. There we go. And uh, that's okay. That's why we're here. But, uh, you know, we've had the debate before, you know, municipal versus public golf, or sorry, municipal versus private golf. Municipal and public is obviously the same thing. There's a lot of different levels of, of, uh, of like public golf. You have very high end, like daily fee kind of feels like the country club experience golf. I know a lot of, like, I would, I would kind of describe that experience at uh, Pinehurst having been there. I've really done a lot of, you know, travel at all, like a lot of people recently or last couple of years, but I got to say, Mike um, did get invited while we were there. We were guests at a, at a private club um, and God, it's so freaking nice. <laughs> I, I like it almost ruined in a way. It almost ruins like the other part of the golf experience. Do you ever find that you go, you're like, I don't want to do that. I, like, I just don't want to go out and play like that. Like I got, I, I'll stick up for public golf as like a, a point of access forever, but you know, I'm not going to lie, Mike, I'm switching sides here. <laughs> I'm, I'm coming to the dark side or maybe it's the, maybe it's the right side. I don't know. Well, you tell me, listen, you know, the commercial, the wiser uh, commercial where everyone's sitting around and they cheers and welcome you to the wiser hood. Listen, I'll get a drink out and cheers you to the private club sector <laughs> because it's a nice place to be. And I'm not saying that as a dick. Listen, I grew up as a junior playing at a home club. I've played many golf courses, public, private. I've played a couple munis in my life. I'm pretty sure somewhere. Um, listen, it's a good, it's a good, it, listen, have a home club. You can rock up, go to the range. You don't have to put a token in for balls. You got your locker. Your shoes are cleaned. Um, I do not let the, the club clean my clubs. Uh, that's one thing I don't do. Um, just because it's a, I just don't want industry people cleaning another industry guy's clubs. Um, I do like to, in a way, entertain at the club. You know, family and stuff like that have drinks and dinner, and it's you know, it's it's a good place to meet people and stuff like that. So yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. It's you pay for it, um, but what you're paying for is obviously quality conditions, quality service. Um, and I hate to say, I mean, who doesn't like to be pampered every now and then that's not saying people are running up to me saying, Hey, Mr. Marty, save it. How are you today? But you know, it's, uh, it's definitely, um, it's definitely a, a proper way to, uh, to play some golf. 
it it's almost you know it actually it, it draws an exact parallel to like what what is the experience that you're getting you know like again i i played a lot of golf courses where i can rock at five o'clock in the afternoon put my money down course is basically empty i got the place to myself i can hit extra shots i can you know play to a different green if i want to if like it's open like that's fine like i get that but you know you don't always i'm not saying you're gonna get that to private club anyways but the it's like the the private jet flight versus the you know your standard commercial flight right like what's it worth to you and i've always said that i i find the value in like a private club like a million percent because i don't again to the point of being able to play later in the afternoon you know you want to go play five holes that to me that that look those four or five holes you can loop around the clubhouse is like the biggest value of a private club because you can't do it you can't you can't be like i'm just i you know it's you know it's eight o'clock on a in july or june i just want to go play a couple holes i've hit some buckets i've hit some balls of the range i've gone around the short game area i want to just like zoom around and just play four holes and hit some shots and it's like oh you can't do that it's like but i want to <laughs> But I really want yeah, to. Yeah, I mean, I mean, even for me, like, listen, my home club's pretty old. We've got a lot of history and stuff. Like, I played in events this year where the events are like hundred years old. You know, inner clubs and stuff like that. That you know are pretty old. You know, a couple oldest in North America. So it's cool that way to play in club events. Like you said, you know, thankfully in the summer my club is pretty dead. So you get in the parking lot at you know, six, seven thirty at night. And I can go play nine holes in literally under an hour. Um, you know, that's pretty good. You got a, a course that has more than 18 holes or has a, a, you know, a proper nine hole golf course, you know, you've got like three wedge areas and putting greens and back end range that like the facilities we have are pretty damn special. So to be able to go there and you don't even have to call to make a tee time. That's, that's the one thing I love. I don't oh, like, I love that. It's my favorite. Um, we've had tea times cause of COVID, but you know, going forward next year, I've heard that we're not going to do tea times, which is great. I invite you to play golf, which will happen. Um, <laughs> and we say, Hey, let's play at, you know, be at the club at 11. If we can't get out until 1145, we go to the range and hit balls or have a couple of transfusions. And then we rock up to the first tee. So yeah, it's a private club atmosphere. Again, I'm not doing it because it's a snotty thing to do and a privileged thing to do. Don't get me wrong. I'm extremely you know, grateful and you know, pretty cool that in my life I get to be a member at a club. Um, but yeah, it's, it, to me, it's worth every penny. And, um, you know, it's, it's, I, I don't want to sound like a dummy, but it's like, it's like home. You can rock up and you don't have to worry about, you know, walking on eggshells where you and I both obviously get to play a bunch of courses. And sometimes when you're a guest, an industry guest, you know, it's 28 degrees outside and you got to wear pants and hi, Mr. So-and-so. And don't get me wrong. I'm still polite, but it's nice to wear shorts and street shoes to get into my locker room rather than walk on eggshells. So um, welcome to the private club sector, RB. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. I know I'm, I'm, it is. It's like, it is, it's all about the, the amenities that you're looking for in whatever it happens to be. I know for, for us in Canada, because of the the seasonal nature of, of golf and just our, our, you know, our weather, our climate, the, a lot of people that I talk to when they talk about their country club, it's like, 
you know, you got their tennis courts, you got your squash courts, you got your pool, you got like the indoor fitness facility, all of those like things kind of wrapped into one. And we don't have that. We just have golf, right? So there's like the country club with the pool, you bring your family and everyone hangs out and all that stuff. Um, but as far as just the golf is concerned, like I, I see the value, I see value. It's like, you know, it's, it's kind of the same thing about the driver thing, right? It literally, it, it always comes down to what the value is out of it, right? Like, you know, you rock up, you go, you go play, you don't have to worry about your, your time or whatever it is, because how much time are you spending a couple of days before trying to book a tea time, trying to call your friends? Like, can we get this time? I got to call another golf course. Like all of those things, which like I do, I do on a regular basis. I'm like, I freaking hate this. Like, this is the part of golf that I really dislike is all the organizing of like going into like trying to go out and play and getting people together where, you know, you can show up to your club, you see a friend, you see someone else, you see a member, Hey, how's it going? Whatever. I'm going out, you want to play, I want to play nine holes. And I think that is the, it's the level of expectation that you get. And I think I'm, I'm ready for the dark side, Mike, at some point I'm going to be, I'm ready for the dark side. And you've being, one, being one although thing- it was, although it was public, like it, although it was public, I, it was just, I was reminded obviously from the, the invitation that we got, but even from just being, like kind of the Pinehurst experience where like you're there, you go hit golf balls, everything's there. You go to the short game area, you go over here. And I'm like, God, I want this again. I don't want to go back. Don't let me go back. You know, you know, the Billy, was it Billy Madison where he's in grade school. And I was thinking about this today. It's like, you know, he, he, he stops that little kid and he grabs him by the face. And he's like, I can't wait to be a grown up. He's like, no, stay here, stay here yeah. as long as you can. And it's, yeah. I just, I always kind of, that always makes me chuckle. So yeah, that was it, Mike. You know, I, I'm on the dark side. We, we started off talking about new golf clubs. And we, get, we we hit F1, we hit everything. Um, we got all the way through today and then we, you, you brought me over to the dark side. So that's uh, one heck of a show today. Love it. It's like uh, to get in the private club is like being uh, a made man into the mafia. We cut your hand on a photo of your family and you have to hold it and <laughs> say the oath of, a, of the mafia. Welcome to the welcome to the brotherhood. Yeah, well, uh, just make sure it's on my glove hand because at least that way I can put it on a bandage on it and make, make a few swings. <laughs> there you go. Uh, always fun to talk to you. Thanks, everyone, for tuning. I know it was a day late, but because of the holidays, we, want, we still wanted to get it in. Uh, we, I mean, we covered a lot of stuff today, so I, I was, it was a blast, you know, new clubs, little, little old clubs, got a little F1, we got it all in, we got all in Mike Love and, it. uh, we'll do it again next week. So as always, thank you, sir. Thanks for chatting, dude. See ya.